Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. I am your host, Dave Sizdog Siriani. It is great to be back home after two weeks of solid touring, man. There's nothing like your own bed, your own shower, cooking your own food, all the things you take for granted when you're at home. You learn to appreciate so much more when you're on the road. Oh my goodness, someone who is no stranger to life on the road is my guest this week, Vincent Calderoni, who is one half of the DJ duo Teddy Cream. Vincent and I talk about his musical upbringing, uh, how he became one of Australia's best DJ acts, and he shares a few stories of their live performances involving a shoe with lime, vodka and soda, so stay tuned for that. Art of Touring is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Touring on iTunes or the Google Podcasts app on your Android device. Also this week, Art of Touring has joined a new podcast network called A Lot of Green. You can check all the other awesome podcasts on their network out at www.alotta, spelt L-O-T-T-A, green, G-R-E-E-N, dot com, dot A-U. There is some coarse language in this week's episode, so if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to throw on Alvin and the Chipmunks, and then once they're dropped off at uh, Kindy, throw Art of Touring back on. Now let's take a moment for this week's sponsor. Look at him, he's heading for that small moon. I think I can get him before he gets there. He's almost in range. That's no moon. It's a space station. It's too big to be a space station. feeling about this. Turn the ship around. Yeah, I think you're right. Reverse. Chewy lock in the auxiliary power. Episode 25 of Art of Touring is brought to you this week by the Death Star. Are you the head of a galactic empire and want to wipe out your enemies with a single blast? Then come to Geonosis. Our insectoid engineers will create for you the best in Death Star technology. Be sure to keep the plan secret as they will prove to be your undoing if they fall into the wrong hands. All construction of the Death Star is at the mercy of the Galactic Senate, and any worker will not be compensated unless prior arrangements have been made with the Geonosians. In the unlikely event of malfunction, please refer to the terms and conditions as laid out in Order 66. Close all outboard shields. Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you would like to listen on your desktop, you can Google Art of Touring and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Before I get into my conversation with Vincent, I'd like to share with you a portion of Teddy Cream's latest single. It's called Beautiful, featuring Faux Love. Have a listen. Just a little bit of your 
There's a taste of the tunes Teddy Cream deliver. Now let's get into my conversation with the man behind the music, Vincent Calderoni. Welcome to the Art of Touring, everybody. I'm sitting here in uh, Epping in the home studio tonight because I'm joined by one half of the DJ group Teddy Cream, Vince Calderoni. How are you, dude? Not bad. Thanks for having me. Nice yeah. to see you again. Yeah, man. It's been um, it's been a while. I think the last time I saw you was probably at Curdy Boys 21st. Yeah. That was a long time. That was it? like last year, last I think. Last year, yeah. yeah. And then before that, my, my year 12... Vet music teacher? Yes, I was your year 12 vet music. Well, I mean, I was your vet music teacher since year since nine. Since year nine, really, yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. did all the, all the musicals. And yeah, was all of that stuff. Good times. I never forget the first time uh, I met you. Um, you. You came into my year nine vet music class and I said to you, hey, um, you know, what's your name? Oh, I'm Vince. Oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm a famous DJ. I, t- I did not say that. <laughs> you did. There is no way I would have said that. 100% I said, because I'm famous. I'm like, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing if I yeah, said that. Yeah, it was that. so great. You don't Ooh. remember that. I, I don't. And I probably choose not to because it's <laughs> one, of my, one of my cringe moments if I did do that. But no, maybe man, it, it was fantastic. I wouldn't I put love, it past me at that age. I love the bravado, man. It was fantastic. I mean, that's the beauty of, of teaching is that I get to um, kind of see uh, young people... Uh, mature and grow up, yeah. you know, and um, and that moment has always been in, in always uh, a, a fond memory of of ours that that obviously I share. You don't remember it, but that's okay. I can't believe that. But no, <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I guess you you see the most raw personality when you're yeah, 15, 16, I reckon that's the age where you just yeah don't don't put any filter on anything. No, that's right. Yeah. No filter at it's all. Just you that. see someone for what, what it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so you you were my student from um yeah year nine ten. Did you have a break in between, or did you do vet music the all, all the way through? I did vet music the whole all way. the way through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, that was my favorite class. It was the best. Oh, cool. I there, I used to make music. Yeah, awesome. And um, the band. The band, the band, yes. That we had to keep changing every year, but that still was pretty good. Well, because sometimes the classes would change and yeah. people would go in and out. Because I remember Kurt, you didn't do year ten music, vet no. music. He left. But then he came back in 11 and 12. But I was only with him for 11 and 12. Yeah, right. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he isn't really doing anything in music at the moment. Oh, he's got a pretty uh, pretty good role as a lawyer. Well, you know, Lawyer's assistant. Lawyer's or, assistant. And he's yeah. studying. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so. no, he's got it sorted out. Yeah, he does have it definitely sorted he out. He does. So. <laughs> I still get to see Kurt um, semi-regularly. He does do a, a, an odd cameo at the at the production because Kurt always did the backstage crew with me. Yeah. And so every June, um, I always hit him up and he usually comes in. Actually, last year was the very first year that I ever actually missed a night of the production because... I wanted to go and see one of my favorite wrestlers talk. He was doing a podcast, one of my podcast idols, Colt Cabana. Okay. He's like an independent wrestler. But he's pretty much as famous as you can get um, on the independent wrestling scene. So, yeah, anyway. He was in Melbourne. He was in Melbourne. And I said, Kurt, I need you to be the sis dog backstage. You are the man. You are going to be running the crew. <laughs> Given his and schedule, I can't believe he uh, he did it, man. Through. That's crazy. Yeah. He's pretty good. He's very good at time management. Oh, yeah. He's to probably be. one of the best. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's good. So yeah, no. Um, if well, I mean, I'd love to have him on on the show, um, even if it was just to reminisce about the um, you know, the the good old vet day. <laughs> But getting back onto you, big fella, um, when did you first start? Because I know you play the piano. So was that your first instrument, the piano? Yeah, my mum forced me when I was about eight years old. Forced you to like the full on forced me properly. Yeah, eight, and I, yeah, eight years old. I was not happy about it. Um, and then I learned the piano. I was actually not too bad at it. And then yeah. I did all my, what are they called? The, the tests. AMEB tests. Oh, yeah, AMEBs. Yeah, I got yeah. up to level three. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then I actually started to enjoy it as I got older. Yeah. And I, you know, I stopped learning because there's only so much you can learn. Sure. And then started writing. And yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and so you started writing music on the piano? I uh, wrote music, started writing music on like Ableton. Mm-hmm. And then I bought a piano, the MIDI piano to connect to the computer. And then I, just, I was in my element. I could just sit there and write all day because, yeah, unlimited right. sounds to work with and yeah. use a piano to play all the melodies I wanted, so yeah. So I think we can thank your mum, definitely, yeah, for yeah, giving you that. Yeah, she gets a good rap when I... Yeah. Because she, she was really the catalyst for music, so... Yeah. yeah. And why was it that she wanted you really want... Because you, you were an only child, or have you yeah, got brothers? Yeah, no, only child. Um, no brothers or sisters? Nah. No? Nah. Um, I love it. That's so much... I, I think <laughs> it's great. I you get all awesome. the attention. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I think her family was pretty musical, so... Um, yeah. Her side of the family, you know, uh, learned... You know, knew how to sing, learned heaps of instruments. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think she saw that growing up. She never learned anything. She tr- was like, did a bit of guitar for a while, but mm. yeah. So okay. So she was like, "Now you're doing it." You're like, doing it. Yep. I want a musical kid. Mm-hmm. It's just happening. I mean, I guess like, kids, Mike, twins are around music all the time because you know the dad is a musician. Um, I'm gonna. I'm kind of interested to see as they get older what they gravitate towards. Because I'm not sure if they're going to be musical or not. I hope they're going to be, you know. But I also don't want to, you know, I don't want I don't want it to be something that they think is daggy. Because when no, I was yeah. a kid, I thought it was daggy. You know, like my mum was a guitar teacher, and yeah, when yeah. I was a kid, I thought it was super daggy. My like, oh, guitar, yeah, that's what mum does. You know what I mean? And I really regret that because if I'd picked up the guitar a lot earlier, I, I really feel like I probably could have been a bit better at the instrument. I mean, I'm an accomplished guitar player now. Like, I'm not, you know, um, bad at it or anything, but it's always that regret. Like, oh, what if I'd done it sooner? You know, like I could have gotten in, you know, a little bit sooner. But, um, yeah, uh, very, very cool thing that your mum did that for you. I think if you're like, yeah, with your your kids, I think if you grow up in a creative household, Mm. it's not necessarily that they'll be music musicians. They might be artists of other, you know, different, different descriptions like you know yeah it's just a whole creative vibe yeah yeah um and so when yeah so you started making music on ableton um and when did you start um actually creating like your own unique sound on on that like when did you feel like oh yeah this is kind of something i'd like to pursue or i don't know we just yeah because you met funny, Brandon our, when you were 13, so year seven. Yeah, and we just started making, like, I started making music, mm. um, putting out heaps of music. Um, yeah. We just made anything, it didn't really matter. And then, you know, even still now, we don't really have a sound. Or you, we just kind of, it's our performance base is more um, what people know us for. So our live shows are really yeah. intense. Like, you know, we're, yeah. most of those were working off stage, barely able to walk because you're putting your body through hell. Not hell, but, yeah, you know, jumping off heights and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where what most people would know us for. Mm. Um, 
yes, even still now, we're still trying to develop our sound more and get more professional, work with the right people for that. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, okay. We're known for bootlegs and stuff like that as well, so that doesn't... So, yeah. explain a little, because I mean, I know a little bit about the electronic uh, dance music scene, but I'm probably not the best... Um, like yeah, I don't I don't know a lot about it to be honest. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I'm I'm part of a different kind of world, you know, like with the rock and roll and everything like that. So for me, um, I mean, I went to dance clubs as a teenager, you know, when I first left school because my brother was a pro- uh, he did that thing where like you go to the nightclub and you pay- you're basically paid like I think a dollar out of every person that you get through the door with like, oh, a little the promo- ticket. Oh, like a promoter. A promoter. It's a promoter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he used to do promotion for a, a club called Bubble um, back in the day. That's like, That was in King Street on um, in Inflation. Inflation. It was like a hardstyle nightclub. Yeah. Yeah, that was and supposed s- to be crazy. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. They had all like these levels, like pyramids inside yep. the club. And so you could kind of dance like on all these different levels. It was fun, but it wasn't something I necessarily gravitated towards. Um, it was more just like a fun night out, yeah. you know? Um, and I don't even really remember, like, seeing an actual DJ, like, at the top, like, commanding the audience, like what you guys do. It was literally more just like someone just pressing a button yeah. and then walking away and, you know, doing another job in the in the venue or whatever. Um, so. Well, that was, uh, I guess, like, there was a massive transitional period from DJs becoming, you know, stuck away in a corner in a yeah. dark room to becoming the whole event of a night or yes. superstars, basically. Now, you know, those, the biggest DJs in the world are pop stars, mm. you know. So, that has taken, you know, there's a ripple effect and even to your local DJs, they're quite yeah. looked up to and people will go to venues to see them and they'll sell out shows just because... It's that guy. It's that guy, you know. Or girl or, yeah. or um, duo. <laughs> and it might not be um, that their technical DJ skills, like our technical DJ skills aren't great. They're all right. But the show that you put on is now become what's important, which is really cool for, some, you know, for like us that we like to entertain, put on a good show. It's, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. That and you still cool. get those technical DJs that do really, really well because, you know, they still have the respect of an underground following or even, you know, commercial-wise, they're quite quite good DJs and they're quite good to go listen to. Mm. So, yeah. And so who do you look up to on the on the DJ scene at the moment? Like, who do you like, oh, man, that guy's killing it. Uh, or T- that- Timmy Trumpet from... He's from Australia, actually, and I... Yeah. I say this all the time, I reckon right now he is one of the biggest DJs in the world. Yeah. He's, you know, selling out pretty much everywhere. He's playing, playing the biggest festivals, man. He's just on a whole nother level. I, I don't he's think it. Australia has seen, you know, something like this. This is really like, yeah. Wow. Massive, massive What deal. is his name? Timmy Trumpet. Timmy Trumpet. Yeah, he had a couple of radio songs, mm-hmm. you know, a few big hits, and then yeah, yeah. took it to a whole new level, especially this last tour that yeah. he did in Europe was yeah, insane. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, have, you, have you had a chance to play with him? Um, we've played a few events events alongside him, and I mean, we bump into him relatively frequently, frequently in Europe. Um, yeah. You know, share a few few uh, mutual friends and stuff like that. So, sure, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah, and he's just f- like flat out, gig after gig, flight after flight. Like, yeah, it's, it's right, nuts, right. Know. Because your tour schedule is pretty crazy as well. Yeah, we're, this year we're away, I think we're, it's going to be seven months of the year wow. overseas. So, yeah, it's, it is, it's crazy enough. So, I mean, seven months is a long time, dude. Uh, it is. It's, and it's how a is long that compared time. to like last year? Like last year, how, how, how well, much were you touring? Last year we were away 
maybe four months okay, or so five. It's pro- so it's progressively getting, gets bigger, yeah, which yeah. is really good because um, if you just had to go straight, it would be a nightmare. No, like yeah. our first tour, we were just you know we were away for two months and we just wanted to come home. Yeah, because and not because it was a bad tour, just because we were just wanted to be home. And yeah, now sure, we're getting sure. used to living on the road, and yeah. you know you know what what to do, how to pack your bags, how to have everything yeah. organized. Like it's it's a really big deal because yeah, you need to be in and out of places. Precision timing. Yeah. Catch flights, etc. Exactly. Well, I mean, because my only touring experience is with a, you know, a group of, of, of guys in a band, you know, four guys. Um, and we take most of our shows, we actually take our sound guy with us as well. So yep. there's five people. Um, but when it's just you, do you take anyone else or is it just you and Brandon? No, it's just us and me and Brandon. We get along pretty well. Yeah. Never really argue about anything. We've always have a good time together. So luckily, that's that's really cool. Yes. Um, usually people travel with tour managers, but we're mm. pretty like you know we've never missed a flight. We're, we're pretty on on, on top the ball of it. with um you know our schedule, and we're we're pretty responsible like that. So yeah, yeah, never really missed anything or you know so yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Um, and so getting back to how you actually um met, did you guys meet? At school, or would you meet? At, did he go to? No, no, he went to um, parade and then moved to Colby. Oh, so how did you meet then? We met online, so oh. just by chance, we lived twenty minutes away from each other, which was awesome. Made life right. heaps easier in the start. Yes, um, yeah, we just met online, and that's what we were thirteen. Yeah, we played like gigs at Epping Memorial, um, Epping Memorial Hall. Oh, yeah, that was like our first gig, the underage gig. Yeah, and it was like crazy. And that was the f- the first time, like, and you used the the name Teddy Cream back then as well. Yeah, we've used it all the way through. Yeah, um, and yeah, that was the first gig we had. Mm. It was nuts, and it just kind of snowballed from there. From there, yeah. Uh, and then as soon as we basically the, the big thing was turning eighteen. Once we did that, it was right straight from high school into clubs in Melbourne. And yeah. within a year, it was tours. It was just, yeah, it was a bit of a right time, right place, right time. Sure, yeah, bit of yeah. everything. You know, we marketed well. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we just never. You know, we didn't burn ourselves out early, so, yeah. Mm, mm. And so, describe to me what that first gig was like at Epping Memorial Hall. Like, you, you've, you've got your DJ decks there, you're set up, you're about to play the first track, and are you nervous? Is it something you were looking forward to? Like, like what was what was that like, that very first gig? I was heaps of fun. Uh, a little bit of nerves, but not nothing. We've never really been nervous. Sure. Ever, because we don't really... We never really... Um, worried about what people thought or how it was going to be good or bad as long as we had a good time. That's all that really mattered. Yeah. Um, and I guess that translates in the performance. That's all that matters for everyone because if you're having a good time, They're everyone gonna else is going to have a good time. Yes. Um, and well, that- yeah, we just did our, did our thing, had a good time and that mm. was it. And it was heaps of fun and yeah, it's mm. awesome. And so um, to tr- maybe try and school a little bit our listeners and me as well, when you've got your DJ decks set up at a gig... Um, do you still use, because I know a lot of them have the actual CDs yeah. in, embedded in the, in the set or whatever, the, the desk. In the deck, yeah. Uh, in the deck. Do you use CDs? Uh, no, it's USB now. It's all USB? All USB. So the tracks are all loaded up on USB? Yeah, and there's a, a program on the computer called Record Box, which basically is the, um, the program that's inside the CDJ. So you can set your cue points on the computer ready to go if you want to jump through the track at any time. Yeah. And it all loads onto the deck. So Right. Uh, now it's easier than ever to DJ. Okay. And so now on the deck, that's where you've played. You say you've, you've produced a track with you and Brandon in the home studio. You bring out your deck 
and you've loaded up on your USB and then the track is playing through the speakers, um, how much of the music coming out of the speakers is already just pre-recorded and how much of it is you changing the frequencies and changing, um, like panning, like how much of it is actually mixed live? So yeah, this is where it goes back to um, that, like, there's performance DJs or there's technical DJs. So yeah. those technical guys can do, you know, you'd come with um, pianos and you'd come with drum pads and you'd do it all live. And that's, you know, if you've got a um, perfect music, you know, if you're great, great at music, yeah. you'll nail that. And it's really hard to nail mm. where performance DJs and a lot of festivals now, it's just you come with your song finished on the USB, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the master, the, the WAV file. Sure. And you just play it. And you try and put on a performance while it's playing. And you, oh. you're mixing live. So all our mixing's live. So we'll mix into another song. Yes. And that'll be done there. Yes. With whatever effects and stuff. Yes. But as far as the, if you've only got a set of decks in front of you, you can only mix. You can't produce a song there. Right. So when you see those big, um, who is it? Who did, um, uh, gone blank. Ah, <laughs> uh, Skrillex done it. No, it's, um, I can't remember the name. Marshmallow. Now. I don't know. I don't know many um, EDM dudes. Yeah, no, I forgot. I had a had a mental blank, but yeah, um, yeah. you see a lot of like drum pads and. Oh, you pianos. mean like Mark Ronson and that? Because uh, I've seen a TED talk life. with him, and he had like a, a drum pad, and he was sampling stuff in real time, and he yeah. would he, uh, but he also incorporated pre-recorded stuff into the performance. So is that the kind of thing you're yeah, talking about? Like that. Um, right. Okay. Cool. So you know, you can play a, a basic track, and you can use Ableton Live to play a bass track, and then over the top record whatever you want live. right yeah 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 but that's not what you're doing you're doing you're bringing the tune and then literally on stage you're bringing the vibe you're bringing the excitement yeah. um you, you know your effects and stuff like that are really important trying to coordinate those with yeah. your your pyro guy or whatever yeah um yeah so for us it's always worked that we just mix live yes none of our music's produced live it's all produced in our studio yes um you know mastered properly and then mm. as most cases in the EDM scene it's mostly like that except for now people are starting to move to live um, you know live performance like Peking Duck are a perfect example started as DJs right and then they moved to like more of a DJ live performance and now they're just a live performance ah okay so now you, you see they're incorporating more you know guitars bass piano drums into their actual live gigs but you can still do that with a DJ kit yes in the background as well kind of like I mean if we turn it on its side like a, a hip hop act like you know, uh, Beastie Boys. Yeah. You know, or Limpiskit. You know, that have a DJ in the band. Yeah, yeah Playing well, re- pre-recorded material, but then a live performer playing over the top of it and having that married perfectly together. Yes, exactly. It's yeah, really hard right. to coordinate and it's really yeah. hard to do. Mm. Um, and you need a lot of... Uh, production crew with you because so much can go wrong. So a because lot of you could totally do that, man. You've got the chops on the piano and a lot of the stuff that you do, because I was listening to your tunes this afternoon, um, especially uh, the, the the new one you've done called Beautiful has got a, um, a piano line in it. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe it was... It's got like a pad and a piano behind, like backing it. Yeah, yeah. So if you wanted to, you could take that piano part out of the final mix. Yeah. And bring a piano with you and play that live. Yes. And have that as like a performance to the audience. It's like, yeah, check him out. He's on the keys. And yeah. Da, 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 and we, I've got like a keytar. Oh, really? The, and we tried to do it with a couple of gigs. And, yeah. Um, it, it did work, but I mean, you need the the you need a proper stage setup. You need to have your um, you need to do sound checks and stuff like that. And a lot of places don't want to do that. So it was a real oh, night. Like we played a couple right. without sound checks, and it was just so difficult. 
Oh. Well, we played one with the, we played an MTV festival and they did a proper sound check. We had our own wheel on stage. Yes. Best thing ever. It sounded awesome. Yes. But for us, it was just, it took away from the performance. Right. Because it was... Because you were worried about this other element. Well, I, I would stand there and play and you couldn't really jump off stuff while you're playing a keytar that's plugged in. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. we, we kind of like, we, we went back to the drawing board and were like, well, our performance actually, it's cool mm. and it looks cool for photos mm. and maybe a couple of videos, but our performance suffers. Right. And, um, I think we're both more about the live, the live, uh, the feeling of the crowd. Yes. You know, how they walk away that. feeling, oh, that was unbelievable. I'd rather sure. the crowd walk away like that than we have, a, you know... An okay set that had a cool keytar, but wasn't really yeah right as much of a vibe. That's um that's really interesting, man. So I guess by doing that experiment, you've kind of figured out for yourselves that look, we've tried that, but at this point in our careers, we're we're more about um, bringing the excitement to the crowd by having our pre-recorded stuff and then you know. Uh, performing it but in the way of you know with your energy yeah and your mixing and hyping up the crowd on the mic yeah and yeah, so well, you know wave your hands in the air and all that kind of stuff yeah exactly i've been mean, mm. none of it all our mixing's live so that's with, yeah. with that equipment that's all you can really kind of do yeah right so yeah so because there's another question that i wanted to ask you with your actual um when you go on tour do you have to bring your own desk no, with you? We've no, never, we've never even... I've owned a pair of decks, what, maybe three years ago? Because everything the club or the festival provides. They have provided. it all there. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's, that's how easy it is now. So, you literally um, just bring your tune on a USB. We Two USBs. Um, and yeah, it's we the same of, deck. Like, what if you yeah, show no, up... So, there's an industry standard. There's an industry standard. And Pioneer. it's on our rider, and that's what they have to provide. Yes. Um, we have played on a couple different, you know systems before but it's always been pioneer so right right it's pretty stock standard and that standard so you show up like sweet this is exactly like the one i've i actually produced this tune on at home or it's exactly the one that i just you know played with at cloud nine on saturday yeah, on, yeah. in melbourne um i'm in my element now i'm comfortable yeah exactly i mean yeah right it's yeah simple as that really it's uh, yeah and so you did mention your rider yeah just now and i had i just checked because i was looking at your stuff today you know yeah of course and um if I if I may indulge, because it's it's so awesome this rider, <laughs> <laughs> and I had well the first question I had was with the um, in the drinks section you've got listed one extra large teddy bear or a couple of smaller ones. Yeah. Okay. Now my question to you, Vince, is is that request um, the Van Halen? M&M's request. Do you know what I'm talking Does about? Does everybody separate the colours? Yes. Yeah, no, like, did he used to crack it if it weren't separated? Yes. Yeah, so, the Van Halen thing was, um, in the 80s, Van Halen was like the biggest band. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, and I actually used to play one of our songs on the keto. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 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 there yeah. you go. You bring it back down. <laughs> uh, bring it back to that. Anyway, so, um, their lighting requirements was out of control. They would bring these... Not LED park ends, like the old school heavy park ends. Those like hot ones. That, hot ones. Oh, yeah. Because there was no LEDs back in the 80s. So they would bring them around, um, you know, and they would have all of these requests. And the request was on the rider was that they would have no brown M&Ms anywhere backstage. They wanted M&Ms, but all the brown ones removed. Now, for years, people just thought, oh, that was just a, a random rock star request being, you know, silly. But the reality, if people look it up online, you can read and actually sit, hear the interview, is that the reason they put that request in was because if they went to a gig and they saw that the brown M&Ms 
um, had been removed, they knew that they'd read the rest of the rider and the technical specs and that the venue was going to be able to put on the show. Yeah. But if the brown M&Ms were there, they knew they didn't read it. Or couldn't be bothered doing it. Or couldn't be bothered doing that, and it meant that if they couldn't be bothered doing that, they probably didn't have the tech specs up for their light show. And so it was a way to them to try to like test the waters of, of the venues and um, the crew to make sure they had their shit down. So my question to you is, <laughs> <laughs> is your extra large teddy, teddy bear an actual thing that you needed to show, or is that more so that you know that they've read the rider? No, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty cool about the rider situation, as long as, you know... It's not, they don't take advantage. We actually use it, like we throw them out to, um, to the crowd and the, the cream, we spray it out. So there's actually use for it. We don't just ask for it to be a pain. Okay. Um, but yeah, I totally understand that Van Halen thing, especially if you're that big. I mean, you want to make sure that they're yeah, really, yeah. really on ball and on the point, especially yeah, yeah. when there's so much money involved. But yeah, for us, it's like, if they're there, great. If they're not, it doesn't matter. But we'd, we'd like them because we actually do use them in the performance and it makes oh, their night better and it makes our night better and right. everyone's happy. So. Because there's also on the rider the whipped cream. Yes, that's, so that's the, for the show. That's for the show. So that's we not will, for you. We will use it for the show. I mean, that, that's <laughs> we wouldn't put anything on there that we wouldn't use. And the, the, yeah, the yeah. champagne on the rider is actually to spray. So okay, we say make it a cheap bottle because I'm not gonna. I feel bad actually, spraying an expensive bottle of champagne. Champagne. Okay, well that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I'm glad we um because everything else on the rider is is pretty stock um, standard. Yeah. Stock standard. I mean. Uh, uh, the you know, um, I mean, you do have here request that you get um, escorted from your car to the venue with security. Yeah, yeah, we had a couple incidents overseas where we had to put that on the rider because really everyone thought, oh, no, they'll be right, and we were just absolutely torn to shreds. Like, really? Yeah, it was. Um, they were like, oh, we want a piece of those Aussie boys. Yeah, it was pretty intense. So a couple of times, like, I think it was on. It was to be fair, it was on our first. European tour. Yes. Um, and no one was really kind of prepared, including us. We, we had no clue and we got over, especially to like, um, Northern Ireland and stuff. And it was, it was crazy. Like it was awesome. And we were all about it. Um, but it was just one night. I think it got a bit too much, too out of hand. And we're just trying to, we had to kind of put that on the rider too. Yeah, right. To be, um, yeah, just to be safe just more than anything, safe, which is cool. Yeah. I love it. I, I think it's awesome now. Like, I, yeah, I was the, the best welcome to a country I've ever had in my life. Right, right. But, um, I, yeah. And so what happened? No, we were just like walking, trying to walk back to the car and just, you know, shirts ripped. And really? Yeah, it was really cool. So people who had been at the show enjoyed it. They're like, oh, we want a little bit more from these guys and they wanted literally a piece of you. No, no, they didn't want a photo. It was awesome. It was just, you know, people trying to get photos and stuff, but it just oh, got real out of hand. Okay. Um, after a while. So we're like, all right, we better be careful here. We better be careful here. And more, f- we're pretty cool, but more for the clubs. Um, their insurance policy and stuff. Someone gets hurt, like yeah, you don't especially want... an act. It's not good for the club. It's just yeah, professional. Right. So yeah, man, I wish I had that sometimes after gigs because <laughs> like after a show, if if some drunk person just wants to chew your ear off and all I want to do is um is go home or or you know maybe enjoy like a drink because I don't really drink before a gig. I just want to have maybe one um afterwards. Uh, uh, man, I would I would love security to kind of escort them away. No, so we're, can, we're cool. We'll empathize. take photos of everyone, but it's just more. Yeah, of course. It's just more when you you're getting like your shirt ripped and stuff. You're like, oh, hang on, I'm out. There's about there's, there's yeah, yeah. getting out of hand. So. And so since that has kind of, uh, uh, have you have you ever had a, a situation where the rider 
like hasn't been adhered to and you've you've gone like guys come on this is on our rider like why aren't we um, getting no, looked after like, here we, we get looked after pretty well especially yeah. overseas they're really good with um riders mm. compared to australia a bit more because of our alcohol laws so sure so like in sydney they can't give you a bottle legally right they can't hand it to you so um now we've never really had any times where we're like nah it's ridiculous we're not not playing it's it's all know, been pretty we're, cool we're, we're pretty like why would you just, why? Yeah, over what something as small as you're not getting your drinks is not not really worth it. Yeah, exactly. Not worth a big kick, you know, yeah, kicking up yeah. a sting. If something goes wrong, uh, mm. technical wise, it might be you know that can ruin the performance, maybe. But yeah, that's yeah. never happened anyway. Nah, I mean, how hard is it to plug in a couple of decks? And make yeah, sure they're connected right. to the speakers. It's yeah, not, not rocket science, you know. It's not like a band yeah, where right. you know, something can go wrong. So yeah, right. Okay, cool. Um, I did enjoy this one here though The warm-up DJ must not play any tracks by the following artists Will Sparks, Brinny, Joel Fletcher, Press Play or SCNDL Now is that, why is that? Like why can't they? Uh, This writer's a couple, probably three years old So now it's um, a bit, uh, our set's a bit different So it doesn't really matter as much But back then when we were sending that writer out um, We were playing a lot of those songs Because they were from the same scene as us Oh, okay Um, So it's, yeah So a lot of our songs would be songs by those artists mm-hmm. um, and it would kind of be hard to play after an artist is dropping those heavy you know right. heavy songs like that that are our, you know our biggest songs in our set some of them and you've already like dude we we are going to play that why are you playing it before yeah and a lot of DJs honestly to, they wouldn't know like, that makes sense they, they just play it and not even realise it's by that artist or sure we've done it we do it you know when we were warming up or you know starting off you just don't realise so if you yeah. specifically state it it makes it a lot easier then you're all good yeah cool um Oh, groovy, man. And so, let's move now the conversation to another place. Um, I was going to ask you about your tattoos. Oh, yeah. Because you've gotten a few tattoos since, um, well, obviously, you didn't have any in school because, you you know, you can't get any, you know, before. I mean, you're not meant to. I know some people do get tattoos before they're 18. But you've got a crazy big tiger right on your belly. Yeah. What is going on there? Why the tiger? Oh, I'm a... Well, I'm a massive Richmond supporter. Okay. Like, huge Richmond supporter. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 18-year uh, member and stuff like that. So, me and my dad would, um, we go to pretty much every game that we can. We mm-hmm. got seats and stuff. Um, and then we won the grand final mm. last year. So, uh, so that was the catalyst for getting yeah, the tiger. I, lo- I always loved Tigers and yeah. I thought it was a good time to get it. Sure. I'm like, all right, well, we won a grand final. And I really wanted to, f- I want to fill up my whole torso. Your whole torso. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, I thought, meh. I'll go to one of the friends I know, Wiz, down at um, Victims of Ink mm-hmm. here in Chapel Street. And mm-hmm. yeah. Got it done. Well, it's not finished yet. It's got another eight hours. So, oh, got to really? finish it in November. Yeah. Oh, it's wow. It's about 24 hours. So. Wow. And so, yeah. you've got other ones as well. Can you tell us about the other tats you've got and, and, and why you why Actually, you got them? No, uh, I got one in, uh, where was I? In Venice Beach? Mm-hmm. No, not Venice Beach. No, yeah, I was Venice Beach. Um, I'll make it to the moon if I have to crawl from Scar Tissue. Okay, because Red Hot Chili, chili Peppers, Peppers massive fan. Chili Peppers fan. Yeah, what song's that from? Um, Scar Tissue. Oh, it's yeah, from that from song. Tissue, yeah, 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 cool. Um, yeah, so I got that done. That was my yeah. first ever tattoo, and it yeah. was my, it's probably my favourite, um, sentimental wise, because it was just like you know three years waiting. Yeah, right. Um, it's pretty basic tattoo, pretty simple, but yeah, it's just a really cool one. Um, and that's on your ribs, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. that was that would have freaked that was hurt. harsh. Yeah, I did. Um, the tiger was is much worse because it's all the shading. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I can't wait for that to be finished. And I've got yeah. we were born to die along my what's that line? The your belly line? line or your torso, yeah, or whatever. Torso yeah, line. yeah, yeah. Um, that's the Lana Del Rey song. Okay. Because I um, 
I'm a massive Lana Del Rey fan, just as much as Chili Peppers. Yeah, right. And then I've just got a couple of random ones and I was overseas and I thought, why yeah, not? Why not? Just on the, on the yeah, side of it. So. But you never got the actual Chili Peppers um, star, have no, you? No, I wanted to get a chest plate with that, so I'm still thinking of it. So, did okay. it start over my chest? Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not sure, so... Not sure. I didn't want. I don't want to get any of my arms and stuff like that. I just oh, okay. You want to try and keep them? Just yeah, on keep the them body. Keep them yeah, just on the body, just the torso. So why? Why don't you want any on your arms? In case I go into like an office job where I need a. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've always. I, I've never really had the desire to get them on my arms. On your arms, like, yeah, yeah. I've always liked the body. I, I, yeah, everyone's got them on their arms. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. Like, I mean, looking at you now, I can't. I mean, I wouldn't know that you have any yeah, tattoos. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, probably that's why you're kind of doing that. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, cool, man. Um, oh, no, it's always interesting. I mean, I haven't actually asked anyone about their tattoos before on the Art of Touring, so you're the first I'm sure there'll there. be a few of guests with some cool tattoos. I'm so. sure there has, but I haven't, I've never asked. Um, maybe, you know, with time constraints and stuff, I haven't, um, I haven't been able to get that question out, but that was interesting. I don't have any tattoos. I, um, I think... It's, it's a commitment. It's a big commitment, yeah. I own over 500 t-shirts. It's like your tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like my tattoo. I always wear a different T-shirt. I could wear a different T-shirt every day of the year if I wanted to. Um, and so I think like maybe that is my my kind of way of, of showing what I like is by buying a T-shirt and like, and it's like, oh, check this yeah, out. Yeah, check this out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, yeah. I've always liked the impulse of my tattoos. Like I always uh, yeah. turn back and go, oh, I remember when I got that tattoo just purely off impulse. And I remember that time in my life that was, you know, especially this one was really... The uh, the Chili Peppers one was really cool because that was when we were actually in vet music. And every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. I oh, so of, you did that, that was, in year 12? I did that as year 12 finished. So Right. It was one, something I was planning through the whole year. And when I turned 18, I was going to do it. And I did it in America, in Venice, you know. Yeah, yeah. LA. Um, were you touring over with Teddy No, Cream? I was actually on a holiday with my dad and my oh, uncles, cool. which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now every time I look at it, I think of, yeah, when I was in vet music and it was, it was a really cool time. So. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, I, I, if I was to get a tattoo, um, my first album that I did with my, my band, we were talking about before the pass outs, um, the artwork on that has got a, um, uh, a Princess Leia style lady on the front of it and she's got all these Star Wars tattoos. Um, oh, yeah, the, uh, yeah. The front of the yeah, technology. Uh, yeah. yeah, and so that tattoo that is on her, um, on her arm, I actually asked the artist to recreate for me because it's something that I, if I was to get a tattoo, that's what I would get. Yeah. And so um, to see it on her, I'm like, oh man, I'd love to get that done, you know. But um, again, it's uh, God, that's a big decision. It, hey? I guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, oh, there you go, man. And so yeah, talking about touring and stuff like that. Have you got any stories from the road that you'd like to share with our listeners that um, they might get a chuckle out of? That something funny happened maybe on tour with you and Brandon. I'm just trying to think. Uh not off the top of my head, not, um, there's heaps, obviously, mm. but you just don't think off the top of your head. It's just, yeah. we, we have a tendency to break stuff all the time. Oh, really? The clubs book us. I, I always say, you book us, you know what you're getting. I mean, you, you look at our videos, you sit, that's exactly you're what jumping you're- jumping around. That's what you're, that's what you're getting. That's what's going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've had a couple of clubs try to, um, you know, oh, you broke, that's 500 pounds, we're taking off your fee. I'm like, mate, 
I told my agent that was over there, I'm like, you know what you're getting when you book us. Yeah. Um, what did you break? Oh, no, nothing. It was nothing. Um, we've never, ever broken anything ridiculous. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just been like, you know, you jump on the table and, uh, you know, a piece of wood from the table fall off just because you're jumping around. No, no, oh, never intentional okay. or like anything a, like some that. Some furniture and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, right, right. it's like, you know, you know what you're booking. Yeah. Get the stage, at least if... If you're if you're a bit prepared, get the stage ready. You know we're going to jump up on stuff. Sure, sure. It's on our new rider that yeah stuff's ready. So we do have a bit of a tendency to break furniture by accident when we're performing. But hmm. other than that, now it's we're pretty um, pretty easy. Yeah, to right. Deal with. That's interesting, man. There's it's... actually a video on my oh no, I took it off on my personal Instagram where I had a foot on a little ledge and it just completely snapped as a oh, song was playing. Right. I was like, oh well, you know. What are you going to do there? Stuff like that. I mean, that's part of the show. It's not like we're, you know, un- unnecessarily breaking. Yeah, it's not like you're equipment. Like, yeah, by you know, grabbing a speaker stand and like making yeah. the speaker fall on the no, ground. No, no, none of that. It's never like no, that crazy, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, out of control. It's always just like, well, you see us jumping around. Sure. I don't want to hear for you know, you can't complain when a little piece of wood gets broken. No, or, right. Or a little right. bit of frame because, I mean, that's yeah. the type of thing we're trying to, you know, trying to put on a show. So. Mm. And so, um, the tour that you did most recently over in um, Europe, you got to play a festival called Creamfields. Yeah. Now, was that the first time you've played that festival? That was the third. The third time. And we've always played on, like, smaller stages. Sure. Um, and I know that uh, they've been looking at us and, you know, liking what we did on the smaller stages. And the mm. smaller stages was actually a really, really cool vibe as well. Like, it was always packed. So, yeah. we got a good opportunity to, you know, showcase what show. you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we got a ridiculous set time we got like a 10 30 mm. set time over there which is you know peak time on a saturday night mm. um yeah and we just got this you know huge stage and on it, the main know, stage no no not the main stage it was like a pepsi max arena okay um but it's it was huge it was huge the, right the stage was massive everything was huge yeah so we had a very good time that night it yeah was, it well was, i watched your instagram story of that whole performance yeah. you know it was the best show we've ever like yeah to the day the best show we've ever best had. show ever nuts. yeah yeah and so for our listeners so we can kind of understand like because we don't we've i'm assuming most of our listeners probably haven't been to the pepsi max arena before but if is there a space in melbourne that you could say well it's kind of this size like is it the size of like maybe rod laver arena like fifteen thousand oh, people nah. oh actually it would it put twenty ten thousand about ten thousand ten thousand in the arena. Yes. Um. So if I guess if you did Rod Laver on the on just the floor, yeah, yeah, you would have to do half. So it probably would be comparable to Rod Laver Arena. Yeah, a little probably a little bit smaller, but not not. Oh, maybe like um, what's the one next to Rod Laver? Amy Park. Yeah. Oh no, not Amy Park. That's the that's the soccer oh, one. High Sense uh, Arena. That's maybe a, it was that kind of. No, no, High Sense is smaller. Yeah. So it's. I think Actually, that's only maybe 15, kind of comparable. 10. Yeah, especially yeah. just if it's not not the seats, obviously. Yeah, so, dude, that's insane. Yeah, it was nuts. It was out of that's control. Incredible, <laughs> a lot of fun playing to that amount of people. Um, and so, yeah, did you feel like what you were putting down um, translated just as well to the bigger stage as it would like in a smaller club? That, on that stage, it did because it yeah. was still an arena and it was closed. Yeah, um, and it was. You know, it was still close enough to the crowd. I don't know. Mm. Uh, we've never played on like a um, on like if you look at Tomorrowland, it's like I think it's a hundred thousand people stage. Right. So okay. I don't know. I think it might be a bit harder on something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I know you never know. But, but definitely still, on that Pepsi Max stage, it was just as good as a, a small intimate club. Like it was yeah. that type of a vibe with ten thousand people. So it was cra- it was That's just crazy. crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so have you ever actually like jumped? 
because I know you jump around a lot on stage, but have you ever like gone, screw it, I'm jumping into the crowd and crowd surfed and stuff like that? I've never actually crowd surfed before. No. Um, yeah, so I, I was thinking about it at Creamfields, mm. but to get back up to the stage would have been like a five-minute... Very minute, difficult. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, no, I won't do that, but um, mm. I, I go in front of the crowd, stand on the barriers and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just getting back is a bit of a hassle, so I've never actually done it. Never. You probably should. Well, you could give it a try. If you feel safe enough and you know that you've got a good security, maybe you could give it a go. Yeah, it's hard to balance the mixing as well when you're trying to... We only got like three minutes. How long do I have until I need to mix the next track? Yeah, that's why we're running around. Maybe Brandon could like make sure he's back to do it and I can still be in the audience. Yeah, but then because we're both usually up. So it's like both of us worrying about each other well, who's getting back question. first yeah like so when you're both jumping around like do you have pre spots like okay at the end of this track i need to be back and into that track you yeah. need to be back yeah there's a lot of so usually i'll start off with me mixing for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then we kind of just sync up really well and he knows when i'm kind of jumping up or whatever and he'll start mixing and then we just you know take turns ah okay cool but he's, he does a lot more of the mic work so i guess a mixing would be probably 60 70 percent me because he's on the mic doing the stuff, right? So, um, yeah. But then I, I still get that little that break when he's ready to. And sometimes you jump on the mic too. I don't really jump on the mic, so no, that's why we delegate. Like, ah, oh, you know, we've, so no, we've got a really like organized set type thing, so it's really cool, right? Well, I mean, I'd love to have um, Brandon come in and, and get his side of the story one day yeah. if he's not too busy because, yeah, if, if he's on the mic, I'm assuming he'd probably have a lot of stories as well. I mean, obviously, you know, you guys are, are going through it together, but um, yeah, there you go, man. Um, oh, that's great. And so, um, the other thing I wanted to ask was you did a show up in Sydney recently where you got to... You got to hang out with the guys from Sticky Fingers? Oh, just Dylan Dizza, the uh, lead singer. The lead singer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah how yeah. did that all come about? Um, oh, we've known his, his girlfriend's been a friend of ours for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've known her for a while and she's always, uh, he's always on tour basically when we're in Sydney. So this is the first time he's back from a tour and we'll, I've, I've always been a big fan of Sticky Fingers. So I'm like, right. I'd love to meet him. And yeah, we met him and he was unreal. He was a really cool guy. Oh, like, that's great. You know, really, cr- very creative, very yeah. You understand his music when when you speak to him. He still he comes across the way his music sounds. Right. So right. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really creative kid. Like really cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, and they're killing it at the moment. Their, their new songs, unreal. Mm. Um. Well, along the same lines, like, have you ever um been starstruck meeting someone like, man, oh man, I can't believe I'm meeting this this character at like because with these festivals you must be able to bump shoulders with DJs that you've looked up to, surely. Yeah, I mean, there's heaps of people I look up to and heaps of people that are you know have heaps of respect for, but I've never really yeah. been start one to be like starstruck. Yeah, and make it you know obvious or just because these festivals, the whole backstage is full of all the dudes, all the de- all the all the big guys. So yeah. you don't want to um. You don't want to look silly or anything, so you just kind of, you know, say hello and just yeah, sit going, there and man? chill out. And yeah, yeah, you've got like friends around you. You got your, if you've got managers and stuff around you, so it makes yeah. it a lot easier than just being, you know, two of us by ourselves. Right, right. So yeah. Also, oh, um, those shows over in Europe, did you have management come over? Yeah, with so you? the big shows we bring over like a whole crew of people because like you get you they they're pretty lenient with how many people can come, and then a lot ah. of people just want to come, so they pay for their own flights and stuff. Oh, okay, cool. Um, uh. So we bring over like last, I think Creamfields we had a photographer, mm-hmm. an agent, tour manager. Like it was about four or five, or well, even six people. Yeah, like, right. It, it was really fun. So, an entourage. Yeah, it was. It's really cool because then they get to mingle and meet all the other people and all the other yeah. backstage people. So it's it kind of helpful in the future as well. So nice, nice. 
Um, the other question I did have for you, Vince, and that was um, with the tracks that you release. So say, I know I did read your bio when it said that like, you know, you release these, um, I get, is the term bootlegs? Yeah. So say horses like by um, the Daryl Braithwaite yeah. right, from last year, yeah. Um, you, you, how do you release that? Because so, you didn't write that tune. No, neither did Daryl Braithwaite eat. By the way, is that right? He yes. didn't write it no, either. It is, um, if you look up, it's a I think an American leader, oh, Sarah Lee Jones. I think it is. Okay. Oh, um, anyway, so we just got with the rights. The label came to us and said, "Look, we have got the rights to the song. Yes, do you want to do it? Oh, so your label you said to- we've got the rights yeah. to the tune. Do you want to do a remix of this song? Yes, not a remix, a remake. So it's like still official, and it's not really a remix as such. It's actually your version. So it's a are- cover. Essentially, Almost, yeah. So Daryl because it's not version. him singing it; it's a chick. No, yeah. No, so Daryl Braithwaite's version was actually a cover a, as well. A anyway, cover as well because someone else <laughs> did write the song. Oh, that's um, insane. Yeah, so it still counts the same way as original counts. I think twenty five percent of all royalties go to the original writer. Okay, and that's how it works. And then you get the licensing. Your label gets the licensing, and you can just have fun with it, which is really cool. Right. So, say for example, um, uh, you want to release a song that you don't have the rights to, how do you go about doing that? You don't. I you guess, can't so do you it. You just do like an unofficial thing. You can't make money off it, I guess. So Okay. You couldn't put it on Spotify, but you could release it on oh, SoundCloud's cracking down now. You could play it in your sets. So all of the stuff that you've got, you've got permission to release because your label has the rights to it. So and yeah, the stuff that's on Spotify is all rights to release. We've done bootlegs and stuff and they're not illegal for us to make, yep. just to make money off. Oh, okay. So couldn't you, sell them. You couldn't sell them. But what if you play one of those at a club that you're that you're being paid? Uh, you just uh, credit they. That, you know, Harper works. You, oh, okay. Yeah. Performance. So you, if you're playing that song, I mean, you just just put in Apra thing, just like if you were playing, like so, because we do like a bunch of covers in our set. Yeah, and you just credit the original artist. Oh, okay, like that's how you it know, works. I'm pretty sure that's how yeah, it yeah, works, that so. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and so, what about Beautiful? Is that a, a cover as well? No, that was a complete original. We mm-hmm. found... The original song was um, was more of a rock song when we heard it, but mm-hmm. it was never a finished song. It was just a, a demo, just mm-hmm. to sit, you know. Um, and then we took the vocals and stuff, wrote around it, um, and then obviously... When you're doing trying to get radio stuff, you got to go through, mix it so someone will mix it down for you and master it because yep. that type of quality can only really be done in studio proper, you know, proper studio, not my bedroom, which is where I still write the music and stuff like that. So yeah, um, yeah. So it, the other the original artist of that song still gets a fe- uh, feature because mm-hmm. she sung it, and yeah, we just kind of played around with it. Yeah, right. And um, so that track. Well, I actually wanted to ask because um, I've been doing this now for about 10 episodes or so. I wasn't doing it at the beginning of the, the ep- of the podcast when it first started, but the last few episodes, what I've been doing is actually playing some music of the artist before the interview so that if people haven't heard of the artist before, they can kind of get an idea of the music that they create. So would that be the song you'd like me to play a, a snippet of before your yeah, interview? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be cool. That'd be cool? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we'll, we'll we will have heard that um, already. So the track is beautiful and it's featuring... Faux love, yeah, is that right? Off, oh, yeah, is it how he's pronounced? Fox, like, yeah, it's like Fox, but you know, F A U X, yeah, yeah, so it's like fake, yeah, yeah it's the yeah. French version of saying of fake, so it's faux love, faux love. yeah, um. And so that's the original artist, obviously, you were talking about, yeah, um, it's out now, you can listen to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, 
YouTube, YouTube, iTunes, all of the st- all that's all, all yeah. everywhere, all the mainstream sites, it's everywhere stuff like that. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool, man, that's great. Um, okay, groovy. So yeah, we'll play a little bit of that today um, before um, your interview. Um, and yeah, I guess my last question, dude, is yeah, how do people follow you? So you obviously have Instagram. Yeah, um, Instagram. It's, it's Teddy Cream, I think. At Teddy Cream? Yeah. Um, Facebook, SoundCloud. Yeah. Basically, if you type in Google Teddy Cream, it'll Just Teddy all, Cream. All up, so. Well, I did Google Teddy Cream, and you guys have a Wikipedia page. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah. yeah. Google, Google does a good job of promoting. Yeah. Like, it really is a good platform for music. It is a cool yeah. thing, man. Yeah, that's groovy, man. All right, cool. Um, and obviously, I, I was having a look at your... Um, your Instagram today as well. I'm just scrolling through it here. There's one picture which I absolutely love. It's you guys in matching Adidas jumpsuits. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Where, where did you get these <laughs> They jumpsuits? are from Glue Store in Northland. Okay. It was just before a tour. Yeah. And we thought... No, be cool. Yeah, it was just before a tour, sorry. And we were like, no, we've got to buy these. These are awesome. <laughs> so we've actually had a couple of shows in them. Yeah. And it's so much fun. They are yeah. quite warm, though. So yeah, you're jumping around and just sweating bullets. But... Oh, mo- most definitely. And the kicks that you're wearing, um, are those the Gucci kicks? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> they're like $1,000 kicks, aren't they? Oh, I think they're about 800. 800 bucks. I don't think I'd ever do it again. We were yeah. in, um, it was the one time we were in London and we went to Harrods and both of us got a bit overexcited. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the, the, I think it's the only time I've been to London because we were just out of control. This is, oh, this is in our element. So yeah, yeah we, we both had a bit of a shop there, but ever since then I haven't. I haven't bought anything like that. That ridiculous. So, <laughs> I love the the poster art for um the Euro trip um because it's it's actually for for those um playing at home um it's a parody of um a poster for the old movie Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Yeah, I, I'm not up to date with that type of stuff. It was more a graphic yeah, designer. The graphic that, designer did it. Well, he, yeah. he knows what he's doing because they've done, yeah. done really well here. I had here. a lot of comments when uh, we posted it about uh, being really cool from that, you know, that, that movie. Yeah. I was like, yeah. But you've kind of like put the Euro Trip logo on it, like from the movie as well. Yeah. The movie that, Euro Trip and Planes and Trains and Automobiles is very, very yeah, cool. Yeah, our graphic designer is really cool. He's, yeah, uh, he's done really well there. So, have you got any other stories from the road that we could possibly... Because I know we did talk a little bit about um, some road stories, but are there any other ones that you, you would maybe be able to mention? Um, oh, there's a couple. Yeah. There's one that's called the Macca's Phase. The Macca's Phase. Yeah. <laughs> We'd play... Well, it, was, uh, it was probably a year ago. It was uh, a February tour overseas. And after mm. every single show for 30 days, we'd order like $70 worth of Maccas. Oh, my God. It was nuts. It was crazy. It was out of control. Was yeah. <laughs> so, it was our tour manager knew every single gig. It was Maccas after the show. Oh, wow. And it was like 30 shows in 34 days or something. Oh, dude. And, oh, it was the best. It was <laughs> so good. <laughs> it was the best. And it wasn't like, you know, just a chip. It was double quarter pounder. 20 nuggets, because at the time they had the 20 nugget deal. Right. Where it was like 20 nuggets for like 5 euros. It was something ridiculous over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just went to town on that. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, <laughs> the copious amount of shoeys that we we tend to do after a couple of drinks. A shoey. So, yes. so so explain to our um, listeners what exactly, because I, I know, I mean, it's it's common, common knowledge what a shoey is, but um, what's your beverage of choice when you are doing a shoey? I, my choice is the vodka lime soda simply because 
it doesn't stink up your shoe the next day. Okay. So it's actually just like putting water in your shoe. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the times people don't don't uh, like they they want to see a beer, which it beer's great, tastes great, but smells the next day. Yeah, when it's, it's that beer smell. Of course. Um. Yeah. So you, a couple of those pretty much and go so down every gig. And so it's your own shoe that you're drinking out of. It is usually, yes. depending on how much I've had to drink. <laughs> um, nah. Have you ever done a shoey out of someone else's yeah, shoe? Nah, yeah, I've done shoeys out of. Well, I've done conies. Where you do them out of a big, you know, those traffic cones and <laughs> yeah, but like cone. festivals that traffic cones. Like, I, I, you drink beer out of it, you know, anything, anything, whatever, whatever. The, have you have uh, Have you ever had any health problems because of said shoeys? No, no. So there's a yeah. I've heard a lot of people talking about. Oh, you know, it's what I'm, Yeah, that's where your feet is, man. Like, yeah, you never, can, never had a problem. I mean, no, it's fine. It's alcohol. Know, it's, it's, it's killing all the all the bacteria anyway, anyway. So it's, <laughs> it's not that bad. Oh, that's fantastic, man. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever partaken in a shoey. I've seen someone do a thongy. I've done one of those. Well, yes, they're great. Where they, you get a thong and you just pour the... Yeah, it's beer like, a, like a slide into your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly slide. what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're called something else overseas. Maybe they're called a... They, they, um, they get freaked out overseas when we do that. Really? Like, I, I you know, we, we've got a... Not uh, like Australians have a pretty crazy reputation overseas. So, mm. we start doing shoeys. It's, it's not even like, oh, that's cool. They're just like uncomfortable with it. Like, what are you doing? So yeah, so yeah, they get a, uncomfortable. A, a, it's really good. Australian thing, a shoey. Yeah, it is. It's Australian. You know, it's been an Australian thing for ages, for about ten years. There's yeah, no one's right. known of it. It's just come to light now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, overseas, it's still like, you know, they they get they th- they they stand back and just don't want to partake. Yeah, right. I've, I've never had someone partake overseas in a shoey. Here, no problem. Here, no problem. <laughs> Have you ever had an audience member come up on stage and and do a shoey with you? Yeah, all oh, heaps, all the time. It's, it's a so frequent part of the show. Well, we, you know, if it happens, it happens. And yeah, oh, okay. a shoe is always part of a show, but yeah. we've had a few people come to shoes with us, so it's pretty fun. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know if I do show up to a Teddy Green show one day, I may be asked to do a shoey. Well, yeah, more than likely. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, dude. Well, it's been so great catching up with you, Vince. Um, and uh, you're, you're actually going on tour again this week. I am leaving in... 48 hours. Where are you going? Going back. I'm going starting in Sweden and then yep. doing, obviously, Ireland, where our big fan base is. Mm-hmm. Massive shout out to Ireland and Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, Scotland and England, I think. Don't quote me. I'm just running off the top of my head. I haven't sure. got the list yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're totally, we're terribly unorganized sometimes. But how um, long are you going for? Oh, only about uh, three weeks. So that's not okay. too bad. So short tour this yeah, time. Yeah, and then we finish off the year uh, with the Australian summer. So we're going to Fiji, mm-hmm. uh, Bali, Thailand. Where else? Uh, all the schoolies, Events festivals well. and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, very busy end of the year for Teddy Cream. Yeah, and busy start of next year. So, that's, I mean, that's always good. So. And so, if people want to come along to one of these shows, if they're overseas or, or if they're in, um, uh, you know, the... Uh, in Australia, uh, or Bali, or Fiji, h- how do they get a get a hold of the tour dates? We will chuck them up very soon. We're just finalising all the you know final shows, final mm-hmm. set times, and stuff like that. But um, they're on on your Facebook, obviously. They will, uh, most of them will be up there soon. It's yeah. just you know once we upload them, it shouldn't be more than a couple of days. So awesome. Well, we'll make sure people um, are across that. I'll put all those links um, in the description for this um, for this podcast. Um, uh, when I do the uh, the promotion of, of, of this episode. Awesome. Um, and again, thank you, Vince, of Teddy Cream for coming on The Art of Touring. Thank you for having me. Good it was you, nice dude. seeing you. See you, dude. Yeah.
There you go, Sizzlers. Another episode of Art of Touring done and dusted. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, give the podcast a share on social media. You can use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring. Also, you can check out my band if you like. Uh, we are featured in this podcast every week. Our opening and closing theme is a song called Screwdriver Girls. And you can check out the whole song on iTunes. You can give the band a follow on Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Twitter, even our very own website, www.smokestackrhino.com. To keep up to date with our gigs, though, give us a like on Facebook, where all of our touring dates will be uploaded as soon as they come in. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me directly at Art of Touring Podcast podcast at gmail.com maybe you'd like to come on the show if you're a musician a performer a juggler a wrestler anything man i'd love to i'd love to interview a wrestler one day please hit me up i'd love to hear from you you can listen to art of touring on wooshka and you can download it on itunes if you've enjoyed this episode please take a moment to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone and write a very short review stick around next week for another episode i release these bad boys every week for free so get in have a listen with old mate sis dog on the regular i would love to have you as a regular listener of the art of touring podcast we get into it every week that's all for this week. Before I go, I have a few shout-outs. Shout-out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Big thanks to my guest this week, Vincent Calderoni. Head on over to the Teddy Cream Facebook and Instagram page to see their upcoming dates. The lads are heading to Europe for three weeks and then hitting up Asia and Australia in the summer. So you're up for a big night out? Go and check out the boys live, Teddy Cream. Do yourself a favor. They will bring the party. Now let's get into some plugs. My band, Smokestack Rhino, recently released our new single, Candanga Bitter, which is available now for download on iTunes or stream it now on Spotify. That's all for me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Touring with the Sizz Dog. Ow, ow, ow! Woo! Remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by the Death Star. No need to install railing for the operators. You don't want them leaning all day. That's cool, that. Oh, yeah. How long ago did you get that done? Uh, that was my first teaching job. One of my students did it for me. Yeah. Artist. I was just, he just um, projected my image up onto the canvas and then did it in grey lead pencil first. And then once he had the grey lead, he, he did it in, the, you know, obviously with paint. That's unreal. Yeah, it was really, really cool of him to do that, man. Like, I saw him... Did you do it for a project, or...? I think he handed it in, but then he gave it to me, obviously. That's unreal. Yeah, it was really sweet of him, yeah. That was the first band, The Pass Out. Yeah, The Pass Out. Are you, you're in The Pass Out to me back to school. You remember. I said a t-shirt. Yes, you do. <laughs> you do have the t-shirt. I remember when I, I brought them in, you were like... I was like, oh, do you want a, do you want a smaller one? Because, you know, you've got a good physique. You want to show off the physique. And you're like, nah, sir, I want an extra large. Like massive. Like a big I, one. I, that was a style at the time. So That's it. It was. Yeah. Now, not so much, but back then. Back then, it was all baggy stuff. It was. That was yeah. cool. That was the days.